UFC 241. Now we are going to talk about the main event of the evening. This is the rematch between Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier. This was 13 months in the make. 13 months in the making. Uh, Stipe decided to not fight anybody after his loss. He decided to sit the year out and then wait for Daniel Cormier to come out of his uh come out of everything clear clear all the issues aside and then sign the rematch contract uh initially uh daniel cormier was supposed to fight brock lesnar so brock lesnar was supposed to be the super super fight and this was like the champ versus champ thing but uh it didn't fall through uh probably in the negotiations but Personally, I think USADA being, you know, Brock Lesnar, USADA, they never mix, you know, they, they're, they're never a good fit. So uh, from what I recall, if you are, if you have an active contract with the UFC, which Brock Lesnar had during that time, and if you decide to come back into fighting, you had to be part of the USADA train, uh, USADA program for at least four months. You have to be under their supervision. So this is like... Uh, clamping down on your routine uh they want to know where you are they're gonna knock on your door like early in the morning they don't really care they're gonna take a piss sample off of you and it's a very uh strict uh random testing procedure so brock was supposed to undergo the whole four month thing and then uh, if he passes the usada standards he will be allowed to fight again in the ufc uh months uh like he I, I don't know rumor has it that he he went back however uh probably because of all the mexican supplements he was taking uh his body wasn't responding the way that he wanted to um uh, this is bro science i'm just assuming so uh months into it he decided uh to just hang it up you know uh he he announced his retirement from mma so daniel cormier uh was left hanging and then months turned into more months. And now uh, Daniel Cormier finally agreed to say that, you know, if I'm going to fight, uh, Stipe Miocic is the most logical uh, rematch. And this is the most logical fight for him. So now the UFC and Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic, they all sat down and here we are. I cannot be more excited about this fight when I saw them coming down, coming out of the tunnel. Uh, prior to that, if you watch the Embedded series, they both were, they're both calm fighters. They're, these two fighters as individuals are smart. They're smart, tactical. They've been in the game long enough. They know what they have to do. Both are champions in their own right. So, you know, you can't expect anything less from two high high caliber people uh if you watch the countdown the embedded series you saw their fight preparations their mindset how they approach this this rematch that took more than enough you know for me 13 months was was very long uh but it gave stipe enough time to take care of his child newborn child and he was probably he, he took the time to reassess reevaluate and see the things that he had to undergo the adjustments that he had to make in order to make the rematch worth it uh 
let's all face it, uh, the UFC is not really banking on Stipe as the champion. He wasn't. He was un, uh, for me. He was. He's one of those underappreciated champions, and uh, I have the UFC probably has the reasons why they can't market or won't market Stipe the way that he should be. But he's one tough guy. I mean, he's he's the only heavyweight champion that was able to defend the title at more at least three times. You know, that that's a very historic moment for his career and now um and now coming into the first fight with uh DC had a lot of momentum with him and then you know the the first round knockout just derailed him from everything. So thirteen months in he had he has he had time to recover, he had time to recuperate, he had time to reassess, went back to the drawing board, went back to training um, you know, without the distractions, without the attention, and he just went to the gym, went back to work. Uh, DC, on the other hand, was riding the momentum of being double champ, and then he relinquished his um, light heavyweight title. Now he starts to, uh, now he's leading to this event. He's about to defend his heavyweight championship belt, and he said that, you know, He's not going to do anything that, that was new. He was preparing um, on AKA. He had he has very good training partners, high-level coaching. He was very confident. Uh, the only, th you know, you won't even believe that the guy's like 40, 41 years old. You know, he would simply put a pace on you. So leading to fight night, uh, first bell. Okay, first round, ding, ding, ding. As expected, DC comes forward. So... This time, both fighters do their best to take control of the center of the ring or center of the cage. So whoever controls center of the cage, that will definitely initiate a takedown, a clinch. Whoever is within striking distance, uh, if you notice, uh, DC was, Daniel Cormier was uh, employing the same tactic. You know, he was, he was doing a John Jones, basically, okay? Elbows flaring out, fingers point forward, and then, you know, that small move, that small tactic, you know, that throws your opponent off, okay? Elbows out, fingers pointing forward. He's doing his best to gauge his distance. So now, if his fingers can touch Stipe Miocic, he's within striking distance. He can throw a punch, he can throw a jab, he can throw straight. Now, there are a few instances during the fight wherein he would do the same thing. And then, by the time that he knows he's within striking distance, he'll take one and a half steps or two steps forward, throw an elbow. Okay, and some of them hit Stipe. Uh, most of the things that he did was to grab the hands and throw a jab, grab the hands, throw a jab, grab the hands, get within striking distance, throw straight. So he was peppering uh, Stipe with punches. Uh, for the most part, uh, both fighters were headhunting. You know, Stipe was landing good shots, and then as with, uh, true to Daniel Cormier fashion, he was able to get that, uh, high crotch single leg, lift uh, Stipe above his head, and then go for his signature single leg takedown. Uh, as someone who loves wrestling, I am doing my best to drill that sequence so that I can do it. <laughs> so, so I keep watching those DC videos so that I know which angles to take, how to pick up the leg, how to lift the body. And, you know, he was doing it. That technique is pure High-level wrestling. So, got the takedown. He ended up on top. Um, 
Again, nothing new. DC would smother him from top, not allow him to get up. Uh, he had his brilliant moments wherein uh, he would stay on top, put a, a huge amount of downward pressure on Stipe, land some really good punches. So Stipe was on defense. You know, Stipe was uh, was uh, doing his best to defend, uh, deflect punches. What I noticed that was more significant was on the ground, Stipe is more comfortable fighting off his back. I saw a re- uh, I saw an improved guard retention. He was able to uh, put DC back on close guard. He was able to control the distance. He was able to control the punching ha- uh, the punching arms. He was able to control uh, Cormier's posture. So that bought him a lot of time to recover. And then whenever DC would try to pass his guard and go to half guard or go to side mount so that he could land elbows and punches, he was able to recover once again. So this is a very good sign of Stipe being able to fight off his back. And that improvement in such a short time is remarkable. Simply shows the work ethic and the fight IQ that Stipe Miocic has. So leading to that, he would start pushing uh, Daniel Daniel Cormier's face away. So DC had more difficulty uh, doing his ground and pound. Eventually, he would wall walk and start. You know, it, it, it sounds easy, but if you watch the fight, uh, Stipe really had to work for it. I like I liked seeing Stipe going for submissions. He tried to get an arm drag. He tried to go for a Kimura attempt. Um, if he didn't get any of those submission attempts, he was able to re-guard. He was able to recover guard. He was able to rotate his hips inward. And these are very good signs of an improved fighter. You know, having that level of high, that high level of retention with technique, and seeing and seeing a heavyweight fighter recover guard, you know, it, it's a sight to see. It's a very, it's it's one of those little things that I appreciate in big guy, uh, in big guys or in big uh, heavyweight fighters. Now, leading to the second or the third round, uh, DC was doing the exact same thing. He was putting on the pressure on Stipe. We see Stipe coming back. He was counter-punching. Uh, and then he had the first two rounds, definitely Cormier. Third round, I gave it, uh, you know, it could go either way, but I gave it to Stipe. Stipe had his moments in the third round. He was landing more punches. He was he was taking it in. Um, both of the fighters were headhunting, obviously. So, uh Third round was Stipe in the sense that he was able to control the clinch. Uh, he was able to take Cormier down, but Cormier was able to spring right back up to the ground. And he was able to spring right back and uh, get to the clinch again, get out of uh, trouble, get out of the striking distance. Another significant thing that I saw Stipe do was whenever Daniel Cormier, whenever DC would start to go for the clinch, he would get an underhook, an overhook. Stipe would not engage. He won't go for a clinch battle. He would definitely push uh, DC away and then start punching again. So these are just really small adjustments that uh, uh, Miocic did in order to avoid that, that, you know, the same sequence because the first time that he got knocked out was, uh, it was a clinch sequence. So DC got went for an underhook, then threw an overhand hook. And, you know, that was lights out for Stipe this time. Every time DC would get, grab or hold of something, get an underhook, get an overhook, uh, get a clinch on the neck, 
Stipe would automatically push him away, push his body away, push, it, uh, push his uh, shoulders away, push his face away, and then go back to boxing. Now, the fourth round. The fourth round was the turning point of this fight. This is where in Stipe decided to change his tactics. It was probably part of his game plan the whole time. And for me, it was a stroke of genius. Either Stipe realized it or his coaching staff realized it, but it was brilliant. It was pure, you know, tactical genius. Now, on the fourth round, of course, DZ really knows that momentum is on his side. You know, you, you have to pour it on. You think that you're confident enough that thinking that your opponent's down and he's about to go out because it's now in the fourth and the final, fourth and the, leading to the fourth and the fifth round. Stipe did something amazing. He started going for the body. So he would jab to the face, okay? or he would throw straight, and then later on he would go for the rib, He'd go for a body shot, go to the face, another body shot, circle around, body shot again. You know, throw a straight, fake a straight, body shot again. Eventually, most of those body shots, okay, it's it's gonna take you you know it's gonna take a lot out of you it's gonna take the wind out of you now every time you hit a body shot and it deliver and it goes in now your opponents start to think okay he's going for my body now you now you have several things to think about he's gonna go for my body he's gonna go for my head okay if he comes close he's gonna go for a clinch he's gonna take me down all these things okay come together and they will confuse you and Stipe just kept attacking the body. This is, uh, believe it or not, this is one of the things that I've noticed. And and during you know conversations with people, I will tell them I do not understand why tall guys who fight Daniel Cormier never kick him in the body. Of course, he's a he's an Olympic wrestler, but if you're fast enough, you kick him you kick him in the body. You know, that's like. 10 kicks to the body, that's going to soften him up. And he won't, you know, everyone's headhunting. You know, that's the lure of being in the heavyweight division. You punch so hard that you can knock your opponents out that you tunnel vision into that. You know, you, 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 regulate, you, you regulate your body, you condition your mind that you have to knock the guy out with a punch. When clearly, Stipe evidently exhibited a very good tactical decision is to go to the body, soften the body up, and then attack the head. So he went to the body, went to the body, then eventually went to the head. Now, this time, since the body was soft enough, and DC was thinking so many things, by the time that DC was able um, to, to hit him again with punches to the face, he was tired. He was softened up. He didn't know how to react anymore. He didn't have enough gas in the tank, and then he got knocked out. Yeah, it wasn't really like like knocked the fuck out, but he got knocked out. And that was enough for Herb Dean to finish the fight. Stipe won, regained his belt. Amazing comeback victory. You know, you couldn't ask for you couldn't ask anything more from that fight card. Uh it was a very momentous evening. Uh UFC probably earned a buttload of money and I really hope they pay their fighters well. So you have your co-main event, Nate Diaz and Perez delivered. And then storybook ending for Stipe Miocic. He's now, and once again, the UFC heavyweight champion. So 
Let me know what you think. Hey, let me know what you think of this analysis. Let me hear you out. What do you think is next for Stipe? What do you think is next for DC? There were hints of Daniel Cormier retiring. He said he's not going to make any decisions based on emotions. He's going to talk to himself, talk to his family, talk to his coaching staff, and see what happens from there. So uh, other than that, thank you to Nuts and Crosses. Thank you to Termicap. Thank you to Arte Suave Manila. Thank you to Rockwell Atletica. And uh, these are the gyms that I teach at. Deftak Makati, Deftak Rockwell, and Deftak Better Living. Go check them out on Facebook and Instagram. My Instagram is at Franco Rulloda. That's at F-R-A-N-C-O-R-U-L-L-O-D-A. I will be in Tacloban and then back in Metro Manila. And then we're going to go to uh, Kota Kinabalu. And then Artist Wave Manila on October 1920. See you guys and bye bye.